Welcome into this episode of the Arkham Files interview series. We have a very special guest with us here today. He is from Peterson Games, the project director, master of the universe, connoisseur of horror movies and pretty much everything else, and last but not least, all-around good dude. It is Arthur Peterson joining us today. Super excited to have him in, so come along and enjoy this conversation with us. Welcome into the Arkham Files uh, special edition. We are joined by a uh, very special guest, Arthur Peterson, um, project director or master of the universe from Peterson Games. Arthur, thanks very much for joining us. Really excited to have you in. All right, so um, just to get things started, um, real quick, just um, give us a rundown about Peterson Games. Uh, what are you guys doing um, right now? Um, kind of just the overview of kind of the history of the company, how you guys came to be, and, and what are you up to these days? So uh, so we, are, we were founded in 2013 by Sandy Peterson. You might have heard of him. Uh, the writer of Call of Cthulhu. And he, <clears throat> well, the way he tells it is he always had a dream of, you know, playing Call of Cthulhu with 28 millimeter scale miniatures uh, of mythos creatures that were interesting. <laughs> you know, like yeah. all the old 80s and 90s uh, Ralparth and other miniatures are a little static, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> and so. When he did uh, his game Cthulhu Wars on Kickstarter, one of his goals was to make really good miniatures that could be used in a Call of Cthulhu game. And uh, for some reason, the Arkham Files isn't using those Cthulhu Wars miniatures in you their games. You don't know that. Oh, that's true. I don't. That's true. We don't have them here. But for the benefit of the Arkham Files, but also our listeners, um, you can obviously buy those from from Peter I'm just kidding. from Peterson Games, right? Uh, where else can you get the miniatures for your oh uh, Call of Cthulhu needs? So, yeah, wherever miniatures are sold, I know you can get them online. You can get them from our website. I think Miniature Market carries them. <clears throat> some some retail store like. I want to say magic shop, but you know what I mean, like friendly local game stores. Yeah, game yeah, stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. they are the they are our miniatures are sold in blister packs as the official Call of Cthulhu miniatures line. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that is one thing that's that's pretty awesome about them is, uh, like you mentioned, they are interesting. Like they're not stale, old. I mean, you even with like other games like D and D is is kind of the obvious one that comes to mind when you go and you you go to your local game shop you buy miniatures they're they're pretty standard like there's not a lot of variability there but but with the ones that you get from peterson games uh they are really cool uh they're in action poses for the most part right they're like doing something they're not just standing there Mm -hmm. well and one of the things that's cool is uh with the writings of hp lovecraft i mean he's not a uh, he's a regular author right it's 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 text and so the way he describes things leaves a lot open to interpretation. And mm-hmm. you can tell that you guys have really thought about the interpretation from the actual text and, and not just taken it and spit it out, but you guys have put a lot of thought into it. And um, 
you know, the interpretations are pretty, pretty cool too. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say mostly Sandy has put a lot of thought into it. I have to admit, <laughs> not as much myself, um, <clears throat> but you know, he's been thinking about Lovecraft and the mythos for probably 50 years now, mm -hmm. you know, and has like a, not just a encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge of it, but also like his own interpretation of all of those things. Um, and I think that comes across in, in the board games we make. Uh, like when you guys played uh, a few weeks ago now, uh, Terror Paths, mm -hmm. was which awesome. is, yeah. <laughs> that was our, that was probably, that was my favorite game that we played out of the board games. We played, what did we play before We that? played um, Planet Apocalypse mm -hmm. and yeah. Cthulhu Wars. Those yeah. are awesome. Those are great games, but Terror, Terror Paths. Terror Paths was It really was fun. fun. It's worth the dough to get. We actually won that one. Yeah. We got crushed in Planet Apocalypse. Well, yeah. The, well, you know, so Planet Apocalypse, so and, and what Donovan and, and Sam are talking about are three games published by Peterson Games. So Cthulhu Wars is our most popular, most famous, or biggest hit, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's a strategy game. Um, Planet Apocalypse is a co-op game where you are humans fighting against demons. So it doesn't have, it's not a Cthulhu-themed game. Um, but it's really hard. It's, you know, you it's guys, hard. like you said, you lost, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a difficult game. Uh, Terror Paths is kind of the opposite. So Sandy went a very different direction. And, of course, the theme is totally different. It's Call of Cthulhu Terror Paths is what it's officially. It's officially licensed um, from Chaosium, Call of Cthulhu game. Com completed with tanks. Yes. Complete with tanks. Yes, Complete we, we tanks. tried to get Sandy to agree to change that. So it's not published. <laughs> you guys played a prototype version. Mm -hmm. It's designed. It hasn't yet been published. Um, we're, we're trying to – because – well, we're delaying its release for reasons that I don't want to go into unless you really want to know. But um, We do really want to know. Yeah. But if you right. want to go into them. Well, well the, the taints – yeah. <laughs> Sandy calls – and, and when, we, when we brought this up, we're like, seriously, Dad – um, he's always like, no, look, pull up a dictionary. Here's what it is. I'm like, yes, but the Urban Dictionary says something <laughs> different. And that's what everyone will think of. Yeah, that, that, he's like, I remember, I'm like, he's like, I'm taking back the word taint. I'm like, you can't. It is gone. It's right. tainted. It is, right. It's been tainted. The, <laughs> the word taint it's, is tainted. It's, it's, right. it's done, dude. You're right. You're, that's a that's a losing bet battle right, right there. <laughs> I would say the only thing that can use it and not have it be tainted by its new meaning is the classic song "Tainted Love." There you go. Right. So, <laughs> which didn't we put that song in one of our episodes? <laughs> I don't know. We should have if we did. Right. But it so I'm glad you enjoyed Terror Pass. It uh, is a great game. Um, Sam hated it. He said, "Yeah, well, Sam that's Sam." It. Don't believe Donovan. He lies all the time. <laughs> yeah. You can look at him. You can just tell that he's a liar. Whoa. So, <laughs> whoa. Is it the beard? It's the beard. It's the beard. Yeah. It's the beard. Anyway. Um, all of you have beards. So yeah. It is way know. bigger than ours. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's, it's a, a full of lies. I, That's I why it's so it's big. It's full of lies. Bigger the beard. <laughs> bigger, bigger, full of lies. bigger the lies. I'm, I have an anti-beard because I'm... He's so truthful. Yeah. I want to see a beard on you. I don't care how patchy it is. Well, it's, it's very annoying because my dad can grow... A very full beard, and most of it, three of his four sons can't grow anything. That's disappointing. Yes, it's all right. I got a pube beard. I just let it grow. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> um, so backtracking a little bit uh, to the origin of Peterson Games, uh, you mentioned kind of the concept came about because of the miniatures. Is that is that 
kind of what you're saying. Like the very first seed that that grew this new company was Sandy's desire to to have these miniatures. No, I, that's probably not accurate. I would say that that was a. It was. It's more like um, when he decided. How do I how do I frame this? Once he was going to do this big strategy game with Cthulhu Miniatures, mm-hmm. it had to be big, awesome, active miniatures or none, right? right. That's more like okay, it. It's not that, that they sense. were. It's not that they were the the reason behind it, but it was like if you're gonna do a game like this, you do have to go right. all out yeah. because this is Cthulhu. He's the biggest, mm-hmm. right? You gotta have a big miniature. <clears throat> and they're pretty. They're pretty yeah. awesome. We so, got to see some, and they're pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of your, I mean, your most popular game, and you mentioned, kind of the flagship launching was Cthulhu Wars, and so that was all kind of hand-in-hand hand then is what you're saying. Is Absolutely. Cthulhu Wars was, was the concept that, hey, let's go make this game. That's really, really cool, but then, you know, let's make this really, really cool with right. these miniatures. Um, it's definitely an awesome game, uh, and you can tell it's super popular. It's still pretty super hard to get. Uh, uh, sold out on a lot of places. Um, we're still trying to actually get the copy. Soon that will be not the case. We're going to keep it. Um, the plan is, and we have a, a way to do this, should be starting next year, to keep the core game always in stock. So awesome. That's not been, we've not been able Very to pull nice. that off for the first eight years of our existence, <laughs> but we think starting next year we'll be able to do that. So. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for that for sure. So uh, what you're yeah, saying, we still want to get it. Is you're gonna hold a special copy of it for us, free of charge? <laughs> uh, That's what I heard. Well, Donovan always really, trying to get his free handouts. Dot for Donovan. If your name is Donovan, then spelled the way you spell it, and your last name is Bollard, then in those circumstances, you can look this up on our website. If that's the case, you then you in. have to pay four times the price. <laughs> if you put that in the small print, I would right. so hard. If you, well, writing an email to our lawyer right now. There we go. So. It's like the opposite of a coupon code. Yeah. So my friend, my friend, my good friend. Change my name. Yeah. My my good friend uh, David Kuhn, who I grew up with, he. This game isn't yet published, but in the rule book it says that if your name is David Kuhn, you are not allowed to win the game. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because one day that'll be published, and then like I'll play the game with him, and he can't win. Yeah, he can't win. That's awesome. It's in the rules. That's amazing. So, I love the idea of a, of an opposite coupon code. You should do that on your site. <laughs> Type in the coupon code Bollard, and everything is four times as much. <laughs> That's a, good, that's a good strategy. I uh, I think we're gonna do this. Do you like do you like the autocorrect and everybody's what types in on your website just comes in bollard? Bollard. Yourself and go through the roof. Like, what just happened? On Black Friday Goodbye, it just all changes just, the bollard. Like, wait, well it's like four times as much. How is one an, game? It's an anti coupon. Yeah. All right. Um so bringing it up to now, um, is there a game or projects you have on the horizon that you're particularly excited about that you're going to see some releases for soon? Uh, Terror Paths. You already said it. I think that was one. That's pro- that's going to be our next game. Rele- that's probably going to be our next publication that is not based on a Kickstarter. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely keep an eye out. That's uh, early next year, right? Is yeah, it should be early next for. year. Mm-hmm. Um, when here's a little tease for our listeners, this may or may not include taints. 
So you'll have to tune in. You'll have to buy the game to find That's out right. if that made the final cut. That's right. Who That'll won the, the battle? Real. Who won the battle of the taints? <laughs> That'll be the real coupon code. Is taint. <laughs> Bollard, you pay four times as much. Taint, you can get a, an discount. actual discount. <laughs> it's been tainted the opposite way. <clears throat> what if you type in Bollard taint, though? Bollard taint. <laughs> then it could go either way. I've, I've typed that in. You don't want to see those searches. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> no, that was... Yeah, well, if it doesn't have taints in it, I don't know if I'll enjoy the game as much. Let's just be honest here. Because <laughs> at first, when we were playing the game, it was hilarious because you weren't there yet. Yeah. You were off helping yeah, your you, mom doing yeah. something, and we're sitting there, and, and your dad is like, Sandy's like, all right, oh, you just got a brown taint. <laughs> and then all of us, I am trying so hard oh, not to look at Sam. so hard. I was trying so hard. I'm like... Like Pete was proud of us because we were usually losing it at stupid yeah, childish stuff right. like that, and I'm yes. just like, don't are. look at Sam, because if I did, I would have laughed. <laughs> oh, and then man. you come in and you're like, "Taint's a bad idea, right?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, I was because it was a so that that version was uh, actually made as a, as a prototype almost a year ago now, and there had been some updates to the rules. Sandy knew those updates, so he could tell you as you played. But the actual, what was printed on some of the cards, I knew was wrong. And yeah. so I was, I didn't know if that had been updated. And so I was actually like asking like, hey, Sandy, we're going to change this for the final version, right? But apparently, no, he's very stuck on that he for is. some reason. He's determined. Hey, this he's, is a, he's old this school. Is, he is old school. Yeah. He is determined to reclaim the word for the <laughs> natural meaning of it. He actually might get a lot more sales because people will just find that hilarious. <laughs> yes. Well, you definitely, you know. Well, I, I did mean, We're gonna buy it, it either way, but you, are you saying that we should put on the back of the box the game with taints? <laughs> <laughs> the taint game. The taint game. Get your taints inside the box. Taints included. <laughs> Free taints inside. I just remember we got into an argument with Sandy about uh, tuna fish having taints for some reason. Oh, like, that's right. Like they don't have taints; they have cloacas. Yeah, that's right. He was very. <laughs> and so everybody like, was everybody was a cloaca until. Remember, got Sandy taints. is a zoologist or I he forget. was in school to be a, a zoologist so um so i same kind of vein i interested in your work at peterson games so you uh you mentioned the company was founded in 2013 um have you been with the company since inception since 2013 when did you come on and uh kind of walk us through you know what is your job like day to day um that is a big question. Well, the first part's easy. I came on at June 2014, so almost exactly a year, because the Kickstarter was June 2013. So yeah, pretty much a year. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I have worn probably every hat that can be worn for a small board game publisher. You know, when I was first brought on, I was doing everything. I was like a gopher. Um, you know, from customer service to shipping to manufacturing stuff to, you know, working with artists and so forth, you know. Um, what your question was, what what's it day to day like? Yeah, I know, it's like crazy, there's a lot of what it is. Yeah, a lot yeah. of variety. Yeah. But uh, if you can so encapsulate over the, it. if I can encapsulate it, it's very chaotic. Um, it's changed a lot over the years too. So I like to think of Peters and Games as having gone, even though we're only about eight years old, as having gone through um, 
four state like four versions of ourselves you know so mm-hmm. like we're on peterson games 4.0 all four of those versions uh are sandy at the top but his team was very different in each one and so <clears throat> i was through most of the, i mean i started part way through you know version 1.0 mm-hmm. but uh being here in all the versions i will say all the teams were very different and so my roles kind of shifted depending on the need um, but essentially, mostly what I do is, as project director, is I manage both the um, development side of a board game as well as the production side. So oh, what geez. that means is, you know, a game has two phases, the way we think of it, the pre-China and the in-China phase, right? So pre-China, we have to, you know, Sandy has to design it. It has to be play tested. It has to be illustrated. It has to be edited. It has to be laid out. Um, <clears throat> you know, put into file formats. If it has miniatures, those have to be con- concepted, right? So you have concept art. Then they have to be 3D modeled, sculpted. And all of that stuff needs to happen. Um, and that's all the development side. And then once that's ready, it goes to the factory. And then I have to manage that relationship. So I work with the factories. Um, we communicate via spec sheets, you know, where it's like here, because it's all OEM manufacturing. So every single game is its own little beast where it's like, th- these are the things that have to happen to make this game. I mean, a lot of it is standardized, you know, they know how to make punch boards and cards and this and that, you know, dice. But every single game always has its own little things to, to make sure the factory can do it. Um, and sometimes that's more fun and sometimes that's less fun. <laughs> but essentially managing the factories, you know, I, before COVID I went to China about a dozen times. Cool. Um, but essentially, uh, so everything everything that has to do with making a board game, I've seen all sides of it. Cool. Yeah. What did you go to school for? I know you Music meant- and then English. I changed majors. So I have a I have a degree in, um, well I have a degree in audio engineering. I have a degree in English, um, with a minor in French and history. But I taught high school English for four years. <laughs> That's no what I did. Yes, <laughs> I'm assuming the history and the English help a lot with the, with the game development. Um, possibly the English for sure. Like I've I've done some editing and some proofreading for our games. Um, normally I'm not the editor for them, but I've helped out. Uh, I don't know if my background has anything to do with it. <laughs> really? I think more. I mean, maybe. I mean, because whenever I play Cthulhu of any kind, there's uh-huh. a lot of history behind it. That's true. Um, I, yeah, that's true. I would say, so my background being the son of Sandy has go. helped a lot more <laughs> <laughs> because I grew up in a house. So, so this is what it's like being the son of Sandy. So I grew up in a house where, um, we would play board games a lot, all sorts of board games. Um, we would play a lot of role playing. So I played a lot of Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest in particular growing up. Um, but we would always play weird and random games. So we knew about like the plethora of games before the newer big wave of hobby gaming in America, you know, Mm -hmm. like in the Mm nineties, there wasn't as many, you know, uh, hobby games out there. Right. In the eighties, there were nineties seemed like it was a drought. Um, and then kind of, I would look at it and maybe, maybe you have listeners who (laughs) know more about this, but in the mid two thousands, like fantasy flight 
started publishing games, you know, like Descent and some others, and hobby gaming kind of took off uh, in America. And then, of course, with Kickstarter, it, like, accelerated. Um, but, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and we were playing board games like Cosmic Encounter and, and all sorts of stuff before Fantasy Flight, before these these companies were out. <clears throat> so I grew up playing games, board games, um, and watching, like, amazing horror movies and obscure and crazy films <laughs> my dad's a connoisseur of weird and obscure so films so bad i've never heard of any of the films that he talks <laughs> about any of, like there's maybe like one or two but then he sat sam and i down we watched zombie from 1970 1979 yeah like and it was like lucio fulci zombie yep yeah that's oh. a classic that's one of the greatest zombie films of all time it was good. I was just like, I've done never. I didn't know this existed. Yeah. I knew it existed, but I'd never seen it. <laughs> Whatever, dude. But I did watch that Turkish film when I got home that we were trying to ba- originally uh, watch. Is it Baskin? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with I like, do, the evil priest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one was pretty intense. Oh yeah, <laughs> nuts. Could I handle it? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're we run the gamut of horror at Shea Peterson, you know, from from the most obscure weird stuff. To the most extreme, to just you know, run of the mill like Stephen King, he's pretty much the, the bottom for us. <laughs> 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 like he has a few, he has a few good stuff, good things, but but he, he has to really bring his A game to get to. He you. does, <laughs> you know. I don't know why. Hit, I don't know why it was a big hit. Thank you. It sucked. The new one and Can the original. That, they both sucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're not movie. scary. Are you I'm never watching it? Are you a fan of it, Sam? Is that what Donald is insinuating? The, here? the first new one, uh-huh. but I didn't really care for the second new one. Okay, I, I didn't even see the second, the sequel. That's how much I didn't really? care for the first. I've never read the book though, so I've also never read the book because it's a million pages long. Yeah, it's super long. I love reading, and I but I like reading, you know, short, snappy books Shorts, like though. Jack Vance. Um, I do yeah. like um, Salem's Lot by Stephen King. That one was pretty good book oh, yeah i think that was the second book he ever wrote yeah i haven't read that but i have read um uh, jerusalem's lot i think the, the it's like a prequel oh, short okay. story of his. yeah yeah probably related he actually has good short stories rita hayworth and shawshank redemption was a short story that was good mm-hmm. that's the only one i read in the apt pupil yeah but those, those aren't really horrible I, I, don't get me wrong i have nothing against stephen king i just think that there's so much better horror out there he's like the you know yeah, I mean mm-hmm. you've you've only got so much time to spend, and you know you want to spend your time elsewhere. Well, I want to spend my time watching horror movies and playing board games, but yeah. Yeah. So do you not like? I would imagine <laughs> like you've played so many board games with Sandy Peterson as your dad. Do you even have a favorite, or is it just like a genre uh, of board I, game that you like the most? Well, I just <clears throat> this is more of my personality. I I tend to have. Um, never have like one favorite of anything so i have a handful of favorite bands a handful of favorite films a handful of favorite games but yeah no i have favorites i mean um some now picking non picking games that my dad did not make right to be because some of his games are some of my favorites Mm -hmm. but like cthulhu wars i love cthulhu wars uh huge fan of that game uh and his forthcoming hyperspace i love strategy games so I, I loved Civilization growing up, which is a game from the 80s. takes forever to play, but it's super fun. Um, specifically Advanced Civilization. That's the version we played. It's amazing. 
but you need to have like seven hours on a Saturday. So <laughs> I'm also big into war games. Uh, like GMT is a publisher I like. Uh, they do World in Flames, which is a great World War II board game. What about Risk? Risk is, eh. it's like it's it's good because it gets people into the hobby. Yeah. But I would never play it so again. It's like, it's like the weed it's the, of it's right. Yeah. It's right. I, I would play it only to play it like with, you know, my daughters or a niece or nephew to like get them interested in in strategy band. games. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's a simple version of one, yeah. mm -hmm. but it also takes forever. So it's like I think there's shorter entry. That's the thing is it's not even needed anymore anymore because there's other entry points that are better yeah. than risk. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. It should just die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. Uh, the, the one caveat I should say is well, and I shouldn't say it should because if people want to buy it and play it, that's fine by me. But I won't. But <laughs> I will say this: uh, Risk Legacy is apparently amazing. I have not personally ever played it. I actually think the idea is brilliant. I probably would enjoy Risk Legacy, but regular Risk. It's I rough. haven't played it for Meh. 20 Same. years. Same thing. Like when we were kids, that was and, – and, I mean, we we grew up in uh, – like Sandy Peterson wasn't our dad, right? So we grew up with the regular uh, – range of board games that you expect in the 90s and risk was like right. your, your your standard strategy game like right. mainstream strategy game yeah uh but like it never ends <laughs> right well that's and that and see i think it's possible um it's possible risk has turned people away from the industry because yeah. they're like oh it seems like it's something you might want to do it's like oh this cool idea to play a game where you have an army and you fight and you get more soldiers and go conquer territory sounds fun. And then you play it and it takes six hours and you like hate your friends at the end yeah. of it because mm -hmm. you're a teenager and like, you know, it's so it's based so much on luck and not strategy really. Yeah. And so yeah. then you're like, why would I ever play games like this? And you find out there's more games like that in the hobby, you know, more strategy games, but it's possible people have been turned away, you know? That's, a, that's so, an interesting point. No, I would, it, yeah. I would agree. Like, when we were kids, we played Risk, and it never ended. Like, every right. single game, because once you're losing, you go into defense mode, and right. all you're doing is delaying the inevitable for right. three hours. Right. <laughs> because so you just, can, right, if the other side has, you know, all of Asia and everything, and you're just, like, backed into, uh, you know, Australia or something. Yeah. And just, it's like, you can hold out for a while because, you know, you always get a few new guys and... You know, they have to roll tons of hits. or I can't mm -hmm. remember how the rules even work, but I vaguely remember that Australia was like a corner you could be in, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah, the fact that it doesn't end is not really a good not thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's one of the challenges, too, with game design that you guys do really well is your games are uh, complex, and I mean that in a good way. Like, they have a lot of moving parts, and they have a lot of different rules that all interact seamlessly with one another. Did you say ghouls? I did. A lot of ghouls. Yeah. So I, I knew you meant rules, Very but you said ghouls, and so that's... I'm just rolling with it, because... That's great. But, uh, he played a ghoul in D&D, &D, so he's been obsessed ever but since. One, <laughs> but one of the challenges is that like you want the game long enough to where you, you, your players are invested... But not so long to where you get bored. There's a sweet spot right in there, um, and it depends on the type of game, obviously, on where that is. Um, but but it's really important to build that in. Yeah, I definitely agree. Sandy tries to make games that don't overstay their welcome. That's like a goal he goes he consciously goes into when he's designing a game. Um, and you know he's 
Well, he did work on the original Arkham Horror as developer, not designer, uh, in the 80s. But aside from that, he really has, until the last eight or nine years, he's, he's mostly been uh, designing role-playing and video games most of his career. Mm -hmm. He hasn't actually done a lot of board games until 2013, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but after 30, you know, at the time, 35 years of, of game design in general, I mean, he had talent and skills and knowledge. And he, I knew from the beginning, he consciously went into designing Cthulhu Wars as even though it's an epic strategy game in the sense that you, you have that, you know, all the epic feel of a strategy game. Um, it plays in 90 minutes, right? you know, yeah. well, unless it's your first time. <laughs> but even then, like we played it a couple months ago, our first time. And I mean, we had the benefit of you guys being there and <laughs> kind of helping us, uh, but it didn't take way long. And like you were saying, yeah. like, it was like kind two of, hours, two and a half. Maybe. Yeah. The right. key yeah. was like, it doesn't really matter how long the game is. It matters your your player's perception of it yes it can't overstay its welcome yes. like you said and it didn't we That's were right. on the longer end of it and we still That's like right. we finished and we're like this is a ton of fun right where do we get it exactly well the thing that made it fun for me is the fact that you have to think about all the strategy options you have and that's like the most impressive thing about the game is because like pete said like there's different factions everybody has different rules to their characters everybody had to like at the end of the game sam's like wait, I could have done this instead. Yeah. And so you're like, you want to play again? Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got to play again well, because you're like, <laughs> I, like, I could have done this better with this character. Yeah. And you're like, and you obviously knew that because you're like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I know a principle that Sandy also strives to achieve <clears throat> is that of elegant game design. So and he, he wants to, and the idea and, and his definition of that, as I understand it, is it's, um, relatively simple rules framework, but very deep strategy and or tactics, mm -hmm. right? So like chess. Chess is one of the, the ultimate elegant games in the sense that the rules are pretty straightforward and simple. Mm -hmm. You can learn them in very quickly. But then the strategy and the tactics are so deep that you have people still trying to master it, you know. Yeah, when you have to learn to think life, 20, yeah. 30 moves ahead, right. it's going to get right. Pretty crazy. And, it, and and elegance doesn't mean it's like chess. It means simple rules, complex strategy. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the dichotomy there. And so I think Cthulhu Wars achieves, I think it's, it's self-evident achieves it because the rules are pretty straightforward and simple in Cthulhu Wars. And I think we're going on like 50 expansions, oh my <laughs> each with different <laughs> abilities and things. And so you can just add the 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 frame the skeleton of Cthulhu, of the Cthulhu Wars rule set is so powerful as an engine for a game that you can add so much to it and still have deep strategy and tactics you know so well you better get it on the shelves man I know we're trying fifty expansions uh, Cthulhu I don't know the exact number it's a lot it's a lot though. I just remember I'm like I can't afford all this <laughs> <laughs> well, well you well just go into debt on and like the rest well, especially now, I don't know especially now that I have to pay debt. right but you have to pay four times four times as much now right. yeah well, well that's your own fault I'll that's your you, own fault I'll give you a diff. my kids uh, don't really need to go to college oh you're pulling the kids oh, card come on you know on, like Donald, so like oh my kids will go to college if i pay four times like exactly well let's, let's okay hold on let's just put this into perspective okay Pete? if i which i probably will because i'm a huge fan obviously i'm gonna buy all the stuff 
We're going to go broke. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to become self-loathing. I'm going to go out for a pack of cigarettes and never return. My kids are not going to have a father. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. You sacrifice a child on the altar of Cthulhu. Four times. Four times. I'll do it. I'll, t I'll tell you something else. If we do that whole big bash, I might be able to hook you up with some stuff. We are in. that. We, yeah, How about that? Definitely. How about that for a, a trade? There we go. We're <laughs> Arkham, well, we, we, we might donate some games to the Arkham Files podcast game library. Ooh. We would take that. Oh. Absolutely. Only if they have taints in them, huh? <laughs> well, can we put taints on the miniatures? Oh, there's plenty. You know, <laughs> there's plenty of taints on. So those uh, we, I have a, I have a good friend. Um, well, friend in the in the industry, I should say, Chase Norton, who is a fantastic miniature painter, and he <laughs> he can do anything you want. Let me tell you. So he. T <laughs> You can put taints on them right. if you really want. Well, now this is going down the taint rabbit hole because now I want to know: do, Does Cthulhu have a taint or a cloaca? Well, That's since his he's got all of them. We got we need give us we'll, the goods. Man. I, I think both, right? I mean, he's Cthulhu. He's got to have it all. Um, that's a question for Sandy. He's, 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 I think he's the world's expert on both Cthulhu. You know he's just going to be like... He, is, he would have an answer for He that would, too. yeah. Like, off the top well, of I, I, I honestly know, I know my dad pretty well. I think he would say something like, well, he, you know, he's an alien uh, being that doesn't even use our rules of physics. So, you know, he didn't evolve on Earth where cloacas and taints evolved. So the answer is probably no. He, does, he, has he has different has, things, right? He has different things. He, he's right. an uninvolved taint. Right. He he probably could form one because he's pretty amorphous, but he doesn't naturally have a taint. <laughs> All right, our bad. Sorry. We'll try to we'll right, try to stop steering this conversation to taints. Well, hold on. Every thing. single part of the conversation. That, so you got a you got a you got a miniature guy, right? Miniature painter guy. We need boot. We need we need boots. <laughs> are made out of taints <laughs> what can your guy do for us <laughs> our, like, our so, fans so will know look, exactly what i'm talking about so he about. once did this the, he once did this amazing paint job of of a taint star job? vampire yeah taint job <laughs> of a star vampire where so a star vampire the miniature is pretty cool because it's one of my favorites in our game because it has uh it has like a human victim right mm -hmm. underneath the claws and sucking tentacles of the star vampire monster and he like added a taco bell cup and like <laughs> he added like taco bell stuff to it like he was star vampire was like eating a person and taco bell burritos you know <laughs> it's pretty great that's, that's awesome funny. yeah so going backwards a little bit and this might be um i don't know i guess kind of a dumb question but you you mentioned before i don't, I don't know i'm gonna preface this by telling you this is a question that's pointless to answer but for real like one of the things that's interesting to me that i feel like um a lot of people don't know the ins and outs and the specifics of you mentioned both design and development of 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 a game right uh what's the what goes into both of those and what's the difference between those two different roles and like aspects of the gaming um yeah so the way i look at it the the or the way Peterson Games uses those terms is 
the design side is more of the conceptual side and the thematic side, right? So mm. saying here's the here's the idea of the game, and now it's a lot more. It's it's not just like it's not just the idea. It has the framework. It has the you know the the basics of the rules, how the game works um, as a game, but the development side uh, is when you take that and you refine it by playtesting it and by tinkering with it until you have a game that can be published, right? So um, the polishing phase, if you will, right? So you have a game design, but that game as it's designed right there, you, you couldn't publish it because it's not balanced mm -hmm. in, you know, if it has different player abilities, something's going to be OP or it Just needs... a lot of holes in the game. Exactly. And so the design part, like the way Sandy works, he does the design part ridiculously fast. He'll be done like in a month. But then he'll take many months to develop it to the stage where it's ready to be published. I can't mm -hmm. speak for other you know, designers or anything, but that's how he operates. And then he'll he'll get to the playtesting stage early and then do a zillion iterations of the game. And that's all really development, you know. And sometimes he'll make major design changes through that that maybe it's like, okay, retroactively it was still in design because he, like, changed some fundamental thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just his, his process is like that. So as I understand it, you know, like in the 80s, a designer would bring to a publisher a game design and then the publisher would take that and develop it to a place where it can be published by adding more concrete rules more specifications to the rule you know basically the details that might be needed to make it a game that actually works um, I don't think that's quite how it works nowadays I think designers do both mm -hmm. design and development but um, that's kind of the distinction I also use development to refer to you know the art, the layout, the editing. But I think you were asking about like the oh, creative yeah. aspects of making the game and mm -hmm. the rules, right? Yeah. So that was a dumb question, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a I in retrospect, a, I thought it was a good question. Yeah. But mostly because well, well, you guys okay, so your <laughs> podcast is Call of Cthulhu, right? So Call mm -hmm. of Cthulhu is a, a role playing game <laughs> is gonna be <laughs> a role playing game is gonna have obviously but both phases right mm -hmm. so in the design phase it's probably going to be more like more i would assume more about the theme and what the role-playing game is going to be about right and not so much the nitty-gritty of the rules exactly um, yep. right and then you develop it into okay so this is i mean you might you know know the the base mechanic if it's going to be like a d20 game or a percentile based like call of cthulhu but the point is the design is probably the more uh, thematic side, the more the general side, and then you get into okay, here's how how will we do mechanics for this type of thing and that type of thing, and that's the development. So cool. that's yeah, that's exactly how uh, Alex, our main DM, describes it. He's like, you guys basically do what you want, and I'll let you know if it falls into the rules. <laughs> right. And then sometimes he's like, you know what, I'm not gonna follow that rule. Yeah. So like he. Like we, it's because we're, we're trying to make it more entertaining for our listeners than actually like follow the game mechanics. But we, Alex is actually really good at following the game mechanics. He's he's pretty stellar at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen Sandy <coughs> uh, change the rules of his own games, like <laughs> well, uh, like a role playing game, like doing doing different mechanics as the the you know as something 
how do I put this? Something happens and it's like, okay, don't roll for that because it's too amazing. Obviously that worked <laughs> the way you described, right? Stuff like that can happen. I mean, if you have a really good um, game master or keeper, as it is in Call of Cthulhu, who can run with the narrative and like take what the players throw at him, then, you know, you might not need the mechanics for every single situation. Although by contrast, sometimes the mechanics create hilarious moments in the story, mm. right? Yeah. Because of a fumble or because of this or that role, it's like, okay, like here's what happens. Down. Yeah. <laughs> burning down the, uh, the tavern that we're all holed up in trying to fight off the monsters. We had right. this, this running gag in one of our sessions where my character really wanted a flamethrower. And I don't even remember where we started with the idea of a flamethrower. And so like for two and a half scenarios, I keep asking for a flamethrower and then finally Alex like has a character show up with a flamethrower and gives me the flamethrower. And I'm like, I'm so excited I have this flamethrower. First time I use it, I roll a fumble and we burn down the entire time. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. That's just simply so amazing. So we all flee in panic as like the, the tavern the building just burns around down. us that we were supposed to be protecting. So this is, this is going to sound random, but did you know that in Mexico the police have flamethrowers? I did not yeah, know that. That's amazing. That's not really true. How oh, darn. <laughs> it's fr- but it's from a movie called Brainiac, where the I've police have. Game. Hey, your dad told us about that movie. Yeah. Oh, that's probably. Oh, he did. It. Yeah. It's because it's such a good film. Check it out. <laughs> we will have to check it it's out. A Mexican horror film from the '60s. Write it down, Sam. I do want to get into movies a little bit, uh, if you have time. But um, I had a couple more questions about uh, games. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting, especially about today's landscape of like game design and game making is with platforms like Kickstarter, it's like anybody can be a game designer now, right? Like, or yeah. anybody, anybody, anybody always could. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like the, the, it's wide open to where, especially here in Utah where gaming is such a big thing. I swear everybody on every block there's somebody who thinks I'm going to be the next big game designer, right? And they get started and they throw out a Kickstarter. What's something that is really challenging about making a game that people might not normally think about? Making sure it's fun. So, so I've designed a few games um, and we've published two of them. And now, and by the way, I designed them and then we hired a freelancer to finish them out and actually develop them and make sure the rules worked. And he did a great job. Uh, shout out to Zoran Dobrijevic. <laughs> yes. Um, Where is he from? He is from Canada. That was disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it was unexpected. Okay, his ancestry really is nice. from not Canada, but... Um, you're so racist, Donovan. Yeah, jeez. Against <laughs> Canadians, you, you're damn right. That's well, not bacon, all right? That was weird. So anyway. So he is, and he's a great guy. Um, so he helped develop them into, into real games from the ideas that I had. Uh, but I would say it's easy if, you, if you're really passionate about games and you like board games, like, a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of people around here, um, because people around here, I guess – party less and drink less so Mm -hmm. i guess that's where the board games come from right we've got more possession of our faculties so we're able to (laughs) that's right strategize more like when we (laughs) 
that's when right. we have a night in or a night out like exactly. our, we can strategize more right. so yeah that's a good, great <laughs> way of putting it so um you're passionate about games but fundamental to every board game is having rules also fundamental to every board game is having rules that are different from every other board game mm -hmm. right not every rule different but like in their totality right because right? otherwise it's another board game yeah um so i think not amateur and beginning designers tinker with the rules because they know it has to have rules and they know it has to have different rules from the games they've played and so they worry about that and they're like trying to create this coherent game where the mm -hmm. rules all work together because the rules also have to be make a coherent whole sure but because they're focused on that they, I, and I'm not like trying to paint a broad stroke. Like I know about all amateur game designers, but it, it would occur to me that I, I would say a lot of them might focus too much on that and forget that the whole point of a game is to have fun. Right. Which doesn't mean you can't have rules, but make sure it's fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If, if, and if rules are getting in the way of it being fun, change the rules for goodness sakes. Right. I mean, the, the, the rules are only there as a construct for you to achieve the fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I and I definitely notice that this is part of why I've heard Sandy say multiple times uh, to me and in interviews that he likes to. This is why COVID was so terrible. Well, terrible for everybody. But it was he likes to have play tests in person mm -hmm. because he wants to see, even if it's an early iteration of a game, he wants to see the faces of the players and see if they're having fun. Because that's what a game should be, no matter what stage the rules are in. Right. If it's not having fun, you got to change it. Awesome. Um, no, that's way cool. Like you're saying, I, I think I think you hit it on the head. And I, like I've never designed a game. I've thought about it before, though. And and kind of that's that's the e or the the pathway you can kind of fall into is I've got to make my rules different than everything else because I want a unique right. game experience. And you can get dragged into that line and you right. lose sight of the whole, which is right. people play games to have fun. And if it's exactly. not a fun game, then it doesn't matter how unique your rule set is. Right. People aren't going to want to play it. Yeah. So that's no, that's really cool. Yeah. So the first game I designed, which is the Tooth Fairy game, <laughs> came out of uh, my kids were little. I think my oldest at the time was like six. So I had like a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and like a two-year-old. And I made up this little game that didn't require you to read anything, to count anything, it no no words, no cards. All it, all it had was little bags and little cubes of colors, and there weren't even turns. And I could t it was more like like a four-player party game than it was a board game, if you will. And I, I, I can't even remember how it came about, but I created it for my daughters to have fun. They couldn't play board games with me, but they could play this thing that I made up for them. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. And like four or five years later, we published it as a game. It's called well, Tooth Fairy? Yeah, the Tooth Fairy game. So that was not... Even though it's fun for little kids, we were like, okay, with these same components, let's make more than one game. So the game box, it's really like a family or kids game, um, but it has four different games in it so that you're, you know, there's more bang for your buck, I guess. Cool. And that's available on, on petersongames.com? Uh, yes. It uh, might be out of stock. Okay. We're it might be available on Amazon as well. Okay, cool. Uh, you mentioned that you have a couple of games that you've had published. Uh, what what else have you 
have you published? And our uh, same question, are these available uh, for purchase on the website? Right yeah, now? so the games that I personally helped design would be the Tooth Fairy game and Mary the Monster. Just those two. Yes, that's it. Is that Amazon? Yeah, so 20, Amazon. 23 bucks There's on Amazon. 14 left in stock. Order soon. Yeah. Order soon. And, and Order soon. so that was like, yeah, for, those were both part of our kind of defunct, there it goes, uh, on petersandgames.com, Mary the Monster. Yeah. Uh, that left one. So that that's an insane game, but it's super fun. People who play it really enjoy it. It was the game, I like to hold this over my dad's head. So Sandy has this, one, one of the big game reviewers of YouTube is Dice Tower. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they have not generally liked our games. I don't know why. <laughs> because our <laughs> games are amazing and awesome. Mm -hmm. So they're just, those reviews happen to be wrong. I can't speak to their other <laughs> right. reviews. But uh, of other games. In any case, uh, Dice Tower, Tom Vassell of Dice Tower actually liked Mary the Monster. And so it was like the first Peterson games he seemed to be generally positive about. And it was mine, not Sandy's. Nice. So I was like, so, was a, so I'd like forward that YouTube video when it came out to the, our whole team. And this was before we, yeah, this, so dark times happened to Peterson games recently. We laid off all of our team in like May or June, uh, June. Uh, but before that, I like forwarded this to our team and was like, so Tom likes my games. Maybe I should replace Sandy as the designer, right? <laughs> like everybody got a kick out of that. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> You're like the students become. I, I would, I would, yes, I would say. In honestly, Mary the Monster is is, it's a game that, it's, for family and kids because it's. It's not a game you're going to want to play a lot, you know, at game night with your buddies because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a ton of depth. I mean, I'll be honest. I designed it, so I know. <laughs> um, but it is fun with kids and with folks who are just kind of entering the hobby gaming sphere where they're not going to be thinking about, uh, you know, deep strategies because it doesn't – I mean, there are tactics and strategies available, but it doesn't have deep ones. So it's uh, it also doesn't have deep ones of – the mythos fame, right? Um, it, but it also it probably I would I would say it's possibly has the zaniest theme of any board game of all time. I won't spoil that. Read the back of the box or read. All right, it's a crazy crazy theme. Awesome. All right, go check that out. Uh, we've got the Tooth Fairy game, and Mary the Monster yes. are both uh, designed by Arthur Peterson. That's right. Both available. Oh. Um, you can get the Tooth Fairy game on Amazon. Um, left. No, no. Look at the rating on Amazon. Oh, that's no. terrible. It's only one, one, one rating, rating gave it Somebody one doesn't like you. That's right. <laughs> I, I it check. was your dad. It's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> it actually might be. No, click okay. on it. Let's see. Yeah, uh, click on it. I'd love to read that. Uh, oh, they didn't say anything. Yeah. They, just did a star. they It actually probably it. is someone who doesn't like me personally because there are such people. I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. It's true. So, so why the heck does Amazon <laughs> put the age four range times as, much. as adult? This is a four kids game. <laughs> Stupid Amazon. Yeah, that's giving, <laughs> that's giving it a whole different vibe. It does. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's got that I pink box. I bet an adult box. bought it. He's yeah. like, what the hell, man? That's <laughs> why it's got <laughs> That's why it's it one star. Adult game. That, yeah, yeah. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, all right, honey, time for a sexy game. The Tooth Fairy, ooh. And then, like, also, what were they thinking when they bought it as an adult game? The Tooth Fairy. 
Yeah. That's Do I have to pull somebody's beast. tooth? <laughs> hey, honey, you want to pull my teeth out tonight? <laughs> They're like, I want something under my pillow. This is not what I thought. One star. One star that right now. <laughs> there is nothing sexy about this game. Hey, One I'm star. curious now. Go, type in Mary the Monster. I want to see what reviews on Amazon are. We're doing live reviews. That's right. And it's not available mm, it's on, not Amazon, on Amazon. Amazon. So oh, never mind. Well, look at all these sexy like books. Wanting the monster. Ooh, doodle kid. Monster. I'm starting to notice a theme with your <laughs> <laughs> with your games, Arthur. So here's a story that I don't know many people know about Peterson Games and me. I designed the logo. Well, I designed 50% of the logo of Peterson Games. Hmm. Uh, the scared dude or the praying mantis? So as in I was one of two people who designed it. Put it okay, that okay. So we together, my... Uh, Cody Hallett and myself. This he, logo right here? Yep. Cody Hallett was a an employee at the time. He's actually the main one that got Sandy to hire me. Sandy was like, my own kid? No way. No, actually, <laughs> my brother was already an employee. So, um, But Cody hired me on to kind of replace him. He quit after I was there for about four or five months. So he kind of trained, hired me, trained me, and then he wanted to go do something else. Uh, but anyway... We designed the uh, the logo because Sandy's favorite insect is a mantispid, hmm. not hmm. a mantis. It looks like a mantis to the untrained eye. Probably Donovan thought it was a mantis. God, Donovan was so stupid. It's actually a mantispid, <laughs> and uh, and then of course it has to be a giant monster. So there's a right. guy to show hmm. that it's a giant monster eating him for scale. Yep, because Sandy uh, mentioned it already. He was going to be an entomologist and study insects. If he didn't fall backwards into writing Call of Cthulhu for mm -hmm. Chaosium, that's tough. It's hard <laughs> when you want to study insects and you have to be a game designer instead. Yes, yeah, that's a, yes. That's a hard decision to make. Yeah, going yeah. to your fallback profession. That's real tough. Right. This game I need to we need to play. I bought this on a Black Friday sale, oh. I think, last year, and I still haven't played it yet. Okay, so Eva, shout out. He Sam's looking at Evil High Priest. Um, that game is amazing, and I don't just say that because we play. published it. Uh, my brother Lincoln designed it, and it is fantastic. And it shows um, Lincoln helped Sandy design a lot of the games as an assistant designer, but only once or twice was he the lead designer. And Evil High Priest is that once. Um, it's a fantastic game, and it shows Lincoln really has game design chops. And he doesn't want to use them for some reason <laughs> he's he's i think it's just too it's it's too much effort you know yeah um just loves insects so yeah much. <laughs> <laughs> that's right no i mean he's uh, i love my brother lincoln but he's oh you know what eight bit attack was the other game he did he was lead design on so it was more than one um, but yeah and, and that's a fun little game too although evil high priest is better evil high priest is a it's fantastic cool artwork. game yes yeah. it does it, it's just a, it's a stellar. It's one of my favorite uh, worker placement games. This is a competitive game, right? Yes. Like everyone's competing yes. to be the evil high priest. Yes. Yeah. You, it's a worker placement game. If you're it's familiar with that subgenre. <laughs> Shut up, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's it's um, is it on man, Amazon? It's fantastic. Yeah, uh, probably. Let's check I'm not out. sure. I think I got. I think you got it. I think I got it off Miniature Market. How oh, did you? Because they always have a huge oh, yeah, Black, Friday, um, Black sale. Friday sale yeah. over here. Yeah, get it from Miniature Market. There you go. There it is. Yes, there it is. And they have one left. 
But we already, I mean, only uh, one lap. Get, get we'll vicariously it. own it through Sam, so we need to yeah. actually play it. We've got a big list of uh, games that are backlogged. Oh, this is an expansion. Yeah, that's there were two expansions. So this was this was possibly my fault. You can blame me. The game is fun by itself, but the expansions have add levels that that most people, like people online, say should have been in the core game because they're so needed to make it really what it should be. And so if we ever do a second edition, we're probably going to take most elements in the expansions and put them mm. in the core game. Nice. And the artwork alone just makes <clears throat> you want to play the game. Yes. Like, it super does cool. it. Um, well, uh, the artwork's great. The graphic layout of the components, not so great. Okay. So I'll just tell you right now. All the cultists. And that hideous, yeah, horrifying looking. There it is, Lincoln Peterson. Yeah, we put Sandy before Lincoln because Sandy is a well-known designer. But it should have been Lincoln first. But Lincoln's the he lead. He actually designer. was the lead. Yep. Mm. I cool. mean, they both worked on it. But yeah. All right. Um, so I want to move into your love of horror movies next. But before we do anything about gaming or about Peterson games that we haven't covered yet, that you would like to talk about um our games are amazing and fun buy them all no. uh, <laughs> i would agree Just i haven't don't played... use the bollard uh, discount yes, code don't right? use don't the do bollard i've used code. it and i am destitute donovan's destitute his kids can't go to college now no. he's gonna leave them all soon apparently i'm a self-loathing guy um yes we would echo that i haven't played all the peterson games but all of the peterson games that i have played are pretty rad so yeah. yep. check them out go to petersongames.com that's peterson with an e-n p-e-t-e-r-s-e-n games.com uh check out their games um you can't go wrong with any of them but we have given you a few here in this session uh to to check out specifically Okay, and so just remember the Tooth Fairy game is not an adult game. It is not an okay. adult game. And actually, honestly, I'll, you should buy our games from like Miniature Market and other places. You can You'll go there too. Probably get better pricing. We usually sell it close to MSRP. <laughs> go to Miniature Market, not and, Peter's. Yeah. Games. <laughs> <laughs> you also can get a lot of the cool minis uh, or miniatures that uh, Peterson Games develops. Yeah, What's which Andy again are, if he listens to are this. super. Cool. <laughs> he's, he's not going to listen to this. <laughs> oh, we can attest to that. Um, yep. So we can all make fun of his bald head or whatever we want. You know? Oh, he's so bald, guys. He's super bald. I asked when we were eating dinner. I was like, "Look, dude, I'm not going to be sad or offended if you didn't listen to our podcast yet." But have you listened to the podcast? He's like. No, I haven't. And I was like, I lied. I'm offended. Because he's just <laughs> <laughs> the second time I asked. He's like, I just don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, I listen to music. Like, yeah, that's the same thing as me. I, I feel bad. I actually do want to start listening to your podcast because I'm intrigued now that I've seen some of this stuff. But I'm not a podcast guy. I've never really listened yeah. to him. Yeah. So Well, and to be fair, too, like actual play podcasts are their own animal like oh really yeah like even people who are into podcasts like i tell them they're way into podcasts they'll be like it's an actual play podcast and they're like oh never mind oh so, really so it's like its own thing yeah, yeah yeah so uh i mean and it, we like it obviously and yeah. there's lots of people like it but it's it's different than a regular podcast i mean you're listening to us and we dramatize it a lot like we 
we cut out the slow parts, we add original music, we add original sound effects. So I don't know much about the world of podcasts, let alone actual play, but mm-hmm. it could it could it be kind of summed up as like podcasts in general are kind of like a nonfiction thing, but actual play podcasts are like a fiction thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yep. Right? Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot of it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a good. Like, way is to that play. a good yeah. framework? Because most podcasts, you're right. Like. Uh, I mean, probably at least from what I've seen, one of the most popular types of podcasts are true, true crime podcasts. And it's right in the title, like true crime. And so you taking the the true and you sensationalize it. Oh, yeah. Uh, My wife was a fan of the Hulu show only murders in the building. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. was about a true crime. Yeah, exactly. Why do women love true crime? I don't know. I like true crime. Sandy's a huge in his library. He has a huge shelf on true crime stuff. Books. I just met a lot of girls that just love le- listening to murders all day long. <laughs> yeah, in my so in my personal experience, like, because uh, I love all horror, and this is there kind of go. trying to segue into horror. Yeah, like women tend to like uh, prefer thrillers and mysteries and suspenseful horror movies or just suspense movies. Right and true crime yeah. is that a lot of the time, mm-hmm. whereas men can like that. Like I like all that, but also sometimes gore. Like my wife hates gory movies. Mm-hmm. I yeah, same. I don't have to watch a gory movie, but I like them, and I also like not them if it's a good movie. Right? It's like yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's my here's my experience. I grew up being introduced to uh, um, Columbo. I love Columbo. You ever seen Columbo? I've heard. I've watched Peter it, Fox. but yeah, I know, it's I know so the good. show. It's one of the greatest murder mystery shows of all time. So good. Um, my mom loved that show. Introduced me to it. Right, murder mystery stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she loves Psycho. My mom is is really funny because she's not a horror movie fan, with two exceptions. So she likes mystery, suspense, true crime, all that stuff. Horror movies itself, no except for two movie series and this is inexplicable to both Sandy and me and all of our my siblings she loves the saw franchise <laughs> yes like for real she loves every movie in the saw franchise like when the when when the new one when one of the new ones came out not the most recent new one but the one right before it i think it's jigsaw mm-hmm. um, i took her I took her to see it, like on a, a <laughs> right, like That's awesome, man. Um, and sh- and inexplicably, uh, the Child's Play, the Chucky series. Okay, no. Way. So she likes those two series of horror films, but in general is not a fan of horror films like at all. Mm-hmm. Just those two series. It's are, really weird. Yeah, That's those hilarious. are some random ones. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> why the? I mean, why Saw does have some suspense, but it's like not really. That's not the main focus of it, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of gore and other mm-hmm. things. And Chucky, there's no rhyme or reason for why she would like the Chucky stuff. But she loves those two series. Does she and like dolls? I, I, I no, not. Murderous it, dolls. Yeah, and she doesn't Murderous care about dolls. other movies, horror movies with dolls. Like there's a great 80s film called Dolls. You know, nothing to do with Chucky. But like Annabella or something like that. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and like she doesn't care about the Annabelle series. or anything. It's like those two movie franchises. And then non-horror is what she likes. <laughs> it's bizarre. Well, I don't blame you guys for just to go back a sec. Like, I don't blame you guys for not listening to podcasts. I think the only reason I listen to podcasts Tom is because I'm a mailman. He does. That's it. Well, on my days that. off, I don't listen to podcasts. But I have. But when I'm right. sorting mail and just doing mind-numbing stuff all day, 
I'll listen to some but podcast. Where, for where? Where are you a mailman? Park City. Park City. Okay. My address and cool. social security number are at, yeah. uh, you got a pen? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't I, need I a need pen. your date of birth, your mother's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your, your mother's maiden um, name. name. So, followed. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I do feel bad. I, I'm, I am actually very intrigued to listen to the horror, the Arkham Files podcast now. Well, we so, hope you like it. We do. If you hate it, then you can still tell us. Get past the it. first, like, four episodes. Just don't oh. listen to the first episodes <laughs> you can so. listen to the first four episodes but i wouldn't start there i'm gonna start with some one shots yes that's because what i would suggest that's, that's what i want to do yeah i would start or... with either one of the uh so if you want like or... co- if you want comedy heavy start with those the comet bring which is our last, last year's, year's halloween year's special okay. It oh wait, is, what's it called those the comet? Those bring? the mm-hmm. comet bring. It's oh, a that's an awesome name. It's a um, scenario that uh, Sam, look up where you can find it. It's for free online. Oh good. Um, yeah. it, but it's a scenario. It's it was written to be like a '50s sci-fi, you know, like uh, Invaders from Mars. Sure. Um, it's written to be like I that. I love those so movies. Yeah. I grew up on those movies. And so it's uh, pretty campy, and it's supposed to be. But we had a ton of fun. That's If you want comedy heavy, I would start with those the comet bring. Um, it's a bit of a time investment. It's a two-parter. It's about five hours total. Um, if a you, shorter one, it would be a lightless beacon. It's still pretty comedy heavy, but it's a really well-written well, scenario. What, one thing that occurs to me is nice is that it's you can do something while you listen. Yes. Because it's not... Right, it's not video; it's audio. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, and I'm assuming that that might be part of the appeal for podcasts. Yeah, for me, I like I listen to a lot of music. I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a music guy, so that might be why I never got into no, podcasts. I'm, I'm the yeah. same. I, yeah. I I I listen to. I'm selective about my podcasts. Like I like podcasts. I listen to them, but I really love music. I'm the same as you. When right. I'm when I'm working, I'm listening to music. Yeah, music's and all so, I can really listen to when I work. Like I don't have the brain power to. Do what I do and like focus on. Well, I don't know how you have brain power. Well, with your new yeah. job that you have, but like again, like when you're a mailman, when you guys were mailman, listening to books. No, and yeah. it's to huge. Oh, I yeah. love listening to audiobooks you know? because That's, you're. They got me into all of this stuff. So yeah. I, I don't, I can't listen to audiobooks either. I also can't <clears> read <throat> books on. I have to read a physical book. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I, I wake up at, well, I, I try. I don't always succeed, but I try to wake up at six a.m. And from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., that's my reading time. Cool. No way. Yeah, because my not all not all my kids are awake. Some of them are. That's a good point. <laughs> I have kids. But they're not, you know, they're not House needing is at me. least calm. Yeah, so I can go down into my dungeon uh, um, and Some read area. books, you know, for two hours. And then it's like, okay, I've read for the day. I read some nonfiction. I read some fiction. I read, you know. Yeah, if it wasn't for audiobooks, I wouldn't read books at all because yeah. I don't know how to read. I, I love I yeah. love reading, so I just I have to find a time. I don't know There's how you wouldn't really love reading. Time. Your your grandpa's house is just it has so many books, right? Books. Yeah. Yeah. That room is amazing. So my yeah, my grandpa probably I mean he is he has thou- probably tens of thousands of books in his house, and then Sandy has thousands, if not ten thousand books in his house. I mean, I for real. It. I mean, I they, they have so many books. My library is a small fraction of theirs. <laughs> and I vowed like to myself when I moved up here to Utah, I was like, okay, I'm going to start. I, I want to die having read every book in my library. So I buy fewer books nowadays to make sure <laughs> I'll be able to achieve that. You know, Sam, I just shared the, uh, the website on the chat. 
Anyway, it's kind of funny because uh, the guy produced this scenario. It's um, a one-shot. It's for free. It's on oneshotadventures.com, the number one shotadventures.com. But, uh, those the, the Comet Brings. The funny thing about it is when he first released it, it was those the Comet Bring. And then a bunch of people jumped on and told him that was grammatically incorrect and it should be Brings. <laughs> And so he that updated was the part the that's grammatically incorrect. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, <laughs> and so the when we published it, it was actually like without the s, and then he went in and updated it. And I'm still not 100 yeah, percent sure. As as an, as a former English teacher, I'm offended. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> my my Is English it? student, my I taught ninth grade and tenth grade, and uh, click that on. It again. sounds so much better as those the comet bring. I you I like think it. it flows better that way. Yeah, yeah I agree. Anyway, uh, in last year's uh, so so coming back full circle, like if you want something that we're pretty comedy heavy heavy on everything just by nature, like we can't help it. But yeah, well, you, you're like we just goof you, off. You see time. Donovan's face while you're exactly. playing. Exactly. I mean, how can, how you, can not? you not make yeah. a joke? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that one's pretty comedy comedy heavy. I'm biased, uh, but the other one I would recommend is Last Call for Santa Fe. Okay. It's, I think, three or four episodes. Well, I, okay, I'll that check those out. That I, I'm going to definitely listen to those The Comet Brings first. A it's one. a good choice. It is. It's yeah. super. We had a ton of fun doing it. Um, that'll give you a little bit of uh, um, the format of our normal Halloween special. It here. sounds like you, I mean, you guys are a lighthearted campaign, lighthearted. We are. Scenario. Like, we try to keep it serious because Call of Cthulhu oh, okay. is horror, yeah. right? It's yeah. like it's supposed to be intense. It's supposed to be – and we just – we come off the rails every single time. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good horror comedy. Yeah, right? that's definitely where we're at. Yeah. We just have a really bad habit of just, like, referencing every favorite movie we ever grew up with watching. Oh, yeah. And then we, we put a hint of Cthulhu into the podcast. Right. That's basically our podcast. Anyway um, – so yes, check that out. Uh, all right, back on to movies because I did want to touch on this a little bit because you are a huge fan of movies. Um, just in the few times that we've chatted, uh, you've suggested a few movies that I've gotten checked out. Um, I, I awesome. am drawing a blank on the name of the one that I watched first. Uh, I'm not even. I don't even remember what I recommended. I remember uh, you saying you watched something like I that. I did. I remember watching Planet of the Vampires that I think your oh, dad recommended. Oh, so good. Yes. Um, I was. And, and that and that you watch it and you're like, wow, Ridley Scott. That's how he did Alien. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. I guess he didn't write Alien, but the guy who wrote the script to Alien, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. It's funny because you go back and you, Alien. and you watch these these older movies and it's it's hard to go back and watch them with fresh eyes because you've seen alien and right. you've seen everything that basically, I don't want to say ripped it off. That's probably yeah, a little bit it's harsh. Not, it's obviously not it, a remake. Yeah. But it's, it's clearly inspired by it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, um, we, you could even do this. So here's a recommendation. Did you, did, uh, did Sandy recommend it's on my brain because we, we showed it to my niece, uh, I'll pull up the a, list. a few weeks ago. Gosh, what is it? I'm blanking on it. But it basically is – it's clear that um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is heavily inspired by it. Uh, it's Jack Hill, and the movie is called Spider Baby. Oh, yeah. Your dad talked. Yeah. yeah. It's, you watch it, and I mean I'd seen it before once or twice like years ago, but I saw it again recently. Um, we showed it to my niece, and I – like 
forgot how heavily it clearly inspired tech, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know? Um, okay, so check out Spider Baby. Yeah. I, I had to look it up because I had forgotten. The two movies name. that uh, that I watched, uh, Tenebre was the one oh, that you recommended, so and I went good. and watched that. Um, did you it like was, it? I did like it. Um, and that was one of the ones where there's so many things that have been inspired from that film. Well, yes and no. So here's the so did when when Sandy was in town, did he talk to you about the subgenre of film called giallos? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tenebra, in my opinion, uh, giallo aficionados are going to quibble with this, but in my opinion, that's the that's the pinnacle of giallos. Mm-hmm. Tenebra is the best one. Um, here's the thing. It's like there's there's a lot of great giallos though, and I, you know, and I like a lot of them. But uh, Tenebra is my favorite, and I think that. It's, it's probably more likely that the giallo subgenre invented a lot of things that are still being used mm-hmm. in murder mysteries yeah. and other types of and slasher films today. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And so you go back and you watch it now. And I mean, Tenebre was 1982, at least according to Google yeah, that I'm looking like at. That, yeah. And so you watch it now. Uh, and if you watch it for the first time now, you're going to see a bunch of stuff that you've seen before but like this is the first thing that did that and so going in with that kind of appreciation uh makes it even better yeah um uh, so coming back uh if you want to again get into giallo's uh, giallo movies are uh, like it's its own subgenre yeah Uh, you can go down that it has elements of slasher slashers but they're not slasher movies it Mm -hmm. has elements of murder mysteries but they're not just murder mysteries it's it's its own thing Mm-hmm. It's um, it, and there's a lot of very high quality films in that subgenre, and some crap. Yeah, like every <laughs> subgenre. It's so, so yeah. Go ahead, Don. I'm sorry, I was just gonna ask, like, if you were to start people out on horror horror movies and stuff like that, could you give them like a top five beginners list? Uh, man, mm-hmm. that'd be cha- maybe. Let me try. Okay, horror is is, I mean. It's, it's pretty so broad. Va- it's broad. so vast. It's pretty right? broad. Yeah. It's so vast. So, I mean, honestly, because I'm a, I, I love, I, I like. Um, this is the part you're going to be editing out, Sam. <laughs> like um, <laughs> ahs and ums and oh, how do I say this? Uh, oh, that was what you were. Talking about. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a. I like going to the roots of genres and knowing where things started, kind of mm-hmm. like okay, um, what Peter was talking about, you know. Jalos uh, started innovated a lot of things that slashers and horror movies are still using tropes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I would say that you gotta see Frankenstein, like nineteen, was it thirty-two? Boris Karloff. Yeah, one? Boris Karloff. Boris exactly. Karloff. I think fantastic 30. book, by the way. Oh yes, and the book. You know, I love the original um, Universal Studios film, but I love the book more. I mean, the book is so it's awesome. So good, and, yeah. and the, you know, it, spoilers, but you're 200 years too late. Yeah. <laughs> the, mo- the, the, the Frankenstein's monster is not stupid. Mm-hmm. He's very smart and very cunning and very evil. Or maybe he's not evil. I mean, it's like Mary Shelley is a brilliant writer. Yeah. That book is, it, there's a reason it stood the test of time. It's so good. Um, I actually recently reread it uh, this past year, you know, on a whim. I love that book. Uh, and it's it also, 
by the way, spoiler alert, but you're 200 years too late. Uh, <laughs> the whole Bride of Frankenstein, part a huge part of the plot is him trying to get Dr. Frankenstein to make a bride for him. Mm-hmm. So the Bride of Frankenstein, which was a film and a fantastic one at that, it's not wasn't invented for that. It's from the original book. Right. Um, yeah. First of all, cannot recommend the original book Frankenstein enough. If you want to get started in horror, read that book. Um, and then read, um, oh gosh, is it Robert Louis Stevenson? Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is a I fantastic book. Yeah. And, and I read it in, I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't read it until I was in college and yes, Robert Louis Stevenson mm-hmm. it was fantastic. And actually as an aside, um, also a great author. Yes. His great, the short story of his, I love the most is called the bottle imp. I won't spoil it. It's such a good short story. Check out the bottle imp. Fantastic short story. But yeah, I read, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in college. And I was blown away by how good it is. I mean, there's a million film adaptations, and some yeah. are good. But um, so Frankenstein, I'm a I'm a you know classical guy for a lot of things, and um, I like thinking, not Twittering. Yeah. Right? So Frankenstein, Universal movies, um, not all of them are actually that great. Like, I love Bela Lugosi, but the original Dracula is a little slow paced. I mean. Honestly, movies used to be faster paced, in my opinion, than mm-hmm. modern films, which are, um, I mean, you can have a fast paced modern film, but uh, modern films are bloated. Yeah. Right. They're well, a lot of things with the modern films that they tend to is there's so much, and I'm going to say special effects, but I don't even necessarily mean like the computer generated special effects, but like the music yeah. and the camera work right. and they've got to put like the director has so much vision on all of those aspects yes. of it. That it's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. In other words, the story is one element of many. Right. Whereas back mm-hmm. in the in the nineteen twenties and thirties and the and the beginnings of cinema as an art form, I guess it started before the twenties, but you know, uh, story was mostly what they had, right? Mm-hmm. Story and the ability <clears throat> of the actors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Frank so Dracula for whatever reason is it has some great moments. It's definitely something to watch. But it's not uh, it's not as good as Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which is one of the great films of all time. Um, I'm very partial to The Mummy as well, with Boris, also with Boris Karloff. And what I love about that is it has um, Darth Vader's death. Spoiler alert, but you're 100 <laughs> years too late. Uh, <laughs> he, he kills people from a distance the way Darth Vader does, by choking them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I showed it to my daughter, and she had seen... St- Star Wars, and she was like, "Wait a minute, that's Darth Vader." Like, oh, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, but it's Where the Mummy first." Yeah. and and <laughs> although uh, although Mummy, the Mummy, you know, another spoiler alert. After the there was five Universal Mummy films, I think, or uh, four or five, and after the first the first one, he was Imhotep, and he was a magical mummy. He wasn't mm-hmm. strong. After that, he was a you know, never speaking, uh, you know, more of a Frankenstein monster type thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, I actually like the more magical, smart mummy. <laughs> I yeah, like both yeah. mummies. I like Kari's too. But uh, so the mummy, Frankenstein. Sorry, this is a very long answer to a short question. Uh, <laughs> five a, five I'm, horror no, movies. It's our favorite question. kind of answer. Good. Yeah, I, I would I start. It. I would Loving start it. with Frankenstein, the original Universal Studios Frankenstein, and uh, and the mummy. Um, 
but I would not recommend as starting out any of the other ones. I mean, nothing against Dracula or the Wolfman or the Invisible Man, which I'm very partial to. But but I would do those two, and then I would say, and and also who who is starting out in a horror to watch movies? I mean, unless you're a kid. Well, who me. is this question pointed at you? <laughs> Yeah, Donovan. He hates horror movies. Donovan oh. hates horror I movies. I have a I have a hard time with gore and stuff like that. Oh well, those <laughs> the movies I'm recommending so far oh, have no yeah have no uh, you so you play in a Call of Cthulhu game, but you don't watch horror. movies. He doesn't watch horror movies. movies. My, we had to we had to drag him into c- Call of Cthulhu, kicking and screaming, and he loves it now. I love but it. But he's way he is he's like a okay you cl- <laughs> you like. What what are your what are th- let me ask you a question so I can curate these five because I'm not just gonna like because here's here's something else I'll say, it depends on the person right. Yeah. People like different types of movies. I like all horror movies. So if you like certain types of horror movies, I'll find recommendations for you. Broadly speaking, I mean, there's I could make a list of the. Well, I'm just talking like like just a general audience. Yeah. Yeah. So so well those two, the, you know start starting with the classics, the original horror movies. Um, the Mummy and Frankenstein, and then, man, there's so many. Uh, you gotta watch Night of the Living Dead, the original. Oh, that's a good Night one. Is very. I good. I watched that one as a kid, and that was one of the first horror movies I ever watched. I did not sleep for days. <laughs> it's very creepy. It is. And it's very. It's good. really well done for. Yeah, and is. and honestly, it has one of the best plots of any film, not just any horror film, but any film. It's so well written. And well acted. Everything about that film is great. Is it, we were talking about pacing earlier, and it's. I'm not saying it's the best paced movie of all time, but you know, nowadays films story is one element of many, right? And back then they had mostly story. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of older black and white films, you know, they if I mean there were bad ones, but the good ones had snappy scripts. It doesn't mean they were frenetically paced, but they were, you know. Um, well paced, right? Each scene led to another, and it all made sense, and it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. I mean, that's not at the beginnings of cinema. That's 1968, but that is one of the greatest films of all time for a reason. It's not, and it's not just because it it actually invented zombies as they are conceived now. So, okay, so like I was, I was saying, I I'm a classical, like, I'm a like classical guy. Stuff. So check this out. So. You know, a lot of the monsters we think of now, like the most famous monsters, um, Dracula, Frankenstein, werewolves, mummies, ghosts, right? All those things existed in myth and legend centuries ago. Zombies did too, of course, with voodoo and so forth in Haiti and and places like that. But not like a disease-driven zombie. Right. But those zombies were different. Those were slaves to the Houngen or whoever, Mm -hmm. right? The the zombie master that would that would enslave you by bringing you back to life and like you were under his control. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, and by the way, as an aside, there's a great movie by Wes Craven called The Serpent and the Rainbow, 1980s horror movie, super underrated and not well-known, amazing, and it has zombies in it, but, not, but the original kind. It's about a guy who goes to uh, Haiti and he encounters... He's trying to go there to get a drug that can... Well, I don't, I don't want to spoil the whole story. Don't spoil it. It's, it's Bill Pullman, I think. Um, mm. It's a fantastic horror movie, and it has not the flesh-eating kind of zombies, but the original kind. So anyway, going back to what I was saying, all these, these classic monsters, we, if you ask someone to list like you know the original monsters, you know ghosts and goblins and, 
and uh, witches and mummies and vampires yeah. and werewolves. Okay, zombies is actually not among them because the flesh-eating kind of zombie that we have today was invented by George Romero, essentially, in Night of the Living Dead. There you go. Yeah. Have you seen that one, Donnie? I have not seen that. It's very good. It is. And and if and you said so, you said you like zombies. Zombies. Yeah, films. like I'm not like like I don't know. Like if the movie is just about the gore, I'm not really sure. into it. I get what you're saying. I really do. I like so the short. Yeah. I like Cthulhu and stuff like that because it's mostly story driven. Right. I love RPGs and I love that I, as far as video games okay. and stuff like that goes. So so if so a horror movie that is story driven. And it's not certainly not about the gore, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I so, don't mind if there's gore, but like some scenes, I'm just like, oh my yeah. gosh. That's uh, so Night of the Living Dead is not, I mean, by modern standards, it's really not gory. I can probably handle it. Yeah, you can handle it. It's also yeah. black and white. Yeah, so I can't um, handle that. But it is. It like is because of the black or the white. It's a brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's legitimately a brilliant film and one of the greatest of all times. And if you like zombies in particular. I would say so. George Romero uh, did well. He did. He originally did a trilogy, is usually considered, and then he did more than that. But just watch the first three. So, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy-eight, and then Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty-five. Oh dang! And those three now, Day of the Dead's pretty gory, but the story is solid. It's a, in fact, a lot of people. So, among folks who like the you know, these types of movies, usually there's people who prefer Dawn and people who prefer Day of the Dead. I mean, honestly, Night of the Living Dead started it all, and it's kind of the best one by default, if you will. But, you know, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead had the better special effects, gore, they were in color, you know, stuff like that. Um, I like Dawn of the Dead, but Day of the Dead's better. It's a very good story. I'll have Sam hold my hand while I watch yeah. it. So. It, it. George Romero, when he was alive, he would call people, and this was before trolls became known as a, the word for like what they are now online. So he would call people who preferred Day of the Dead as trolls okay. because Day of the Dead is so dark. If you like Day of the Dead, then you're like, you have a darker soul kind of a <laughs> thing, you know? Um, but it's not like Dawn is, is a... <laughs> Dawn's a pretty dark movie too, so... Well, I got my five movies. I know there where I'm you starting. go. Thank yeah. you for that. And I can give you a zillion more. But I know you can. Why don't you tell st- tell me what you think <clears throat> of those five? Okay. And then we'll go from there. Along these same lines, uh, switching topics a little bit. Uh, I know you're also a big fan of comedy. We've talked about it off air before. What are some uh, comedic movies or acts or anything that you particularly enjoy or would recommend? Yeah. Uh, I love Dave Chappelle. Have you heard, have you watched his like Netflix stand-ups. I've seen a bunch of clips from him and they're amazing. They are amazing. He's super funny. Yes, they're they're he's, all great. He's the goat as far as com- comedians go right now. He's yes. the goat. Uh, I was very partial to um what's his name? McDonald. The guy who Norman Norman McDonald, Norman McDonald, McDonald who passed away recently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he yeah. was great. Super he funny. He didn't yeah. throw any punches either. Yeah. He was he, yeah. That uh my wife on is, the view that one clip that you sent me to is so funny. <laughs> Oh yeah, married. that Bill Clinton guy. Isn't he murdered somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, aren't you uh, supposed to be a funny guy? Yeah. They're all getting mad at him. He's like, "You've only read six books in your entire life. Why would any woman want to be with you?" 
Yeah, money. well, I uh, got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my wife is not a fan of Chappelle or McDonald just because. What? Well, she's not a fan of humor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she she actually is. She just, she just thinks they're too crude for her. Right? So she's so, like a Brian, what's his face? She's a Jim um, Gaffigan fan, mm-hmm. which I think he's funny. But yeah, Food humor's great. Yeah, nothing's you know? wrong with him. He's He can be funny. He can be. A lot of his stand-up you is pretty funny. You can probably tell what kind of humor we're into. It's, it has to be pretty rude and juvenile. I think juvenile. I like Jim Gaffigan, too. Uh, yeah. I think his struggle has been, um, I don't know if staying power is the right phrase, but his, his comedy's pretty repetitive. And so after four or five, he's kind of telling a lot of the same jokes. Right. Yeah. It's all food jokes. That <laughs> yeah. Food and kids. And like I said, it's funny. Well, but I've okay. So this, so I'll bring this, what you just said, to full mean? circle to music. Because here's the deal. So I once. The like one that Utah people like? Yeah. Brian Regan. Regan. Yeah. Regan. Yeah. Brian Regan. I don't know who that is. Oh, I bet your wife does. Okay. Very he's clean. Well, very funny. Very clean. Very funny. I thought he was funnier when I was younger. I tried to watch him again recently. Now that you're like, balding, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as well, funny. I, your balding I'm, stuff's just not. So as anyway, funny. back to music. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to music. But also before, it occurred to me like, have you guys ever seen any Marx Brothers films? They are I fantastic. Have, funny. Yeah. Marx, give the me a movie they made. Um, they're all Marx. A Brothers Night films. at the Opera. Yeah. Um, Duck Soup. Uh, Animal Crackers. <laughs> they're not. They're not. The movies themselves aren't famous outside of them being Marx, Marx Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, the names of the say, movies doesn't right. matter. Really? Okay. But if you know the Marx, the Marx you Brothers. you know the Marx Brothers? Yeah. So like the Three Stooges and oh, like that. I love the Well, they're very, di- it's they're very different, different than the Stooges, than actually. Than the Stooges, but like that uh, time, time Yeah, that time. Okay. They, were, they were contemporaries. So yeah. they're, they're from the 30s and 40s. I grew up watching no, the Three 40s, Stooges, yeah. I don't know. Exactly, same, same time frame. Same time frame, okay. They, like they comedy team. They are super funny. Um, I also love the Stooges, but the Marx Brothers, especially Carl, he's amazing. No, just kidding. Abbott and Costello was. Abbott and Costello is pretty. Uh, Abbott and Costello for me mostly in the context of the monster movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also some of their skits are they they're the they're guys who did Who's on First, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is one of the great comedy sketches bit. of all time. Such a good yeah. bit. Abbott and Costello was the like the the one we grew up we grew watching up the most. Yeah, uh, Donovan, have you seen um, Arrested Development? Of course. Yeah, it's a great series, I, right? I know these guys. Okay. I've made a huge <laughs> yeah. mistake. The, the three, yeah, the first three seasons yeah. are just so great. Oh, right? they're amazing. I haven't seen really the Netflix Don't. one, but I've seen like Did you burn down here. the storage yeah. unit? Almost definitely. Almost yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, so. I'm an analyst therapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my, I'm the world's first analrapist. I'm both an, an, both an analyst and a therapist. That's my all-time favorite moment. Well, that and Miss Fingerbottom. <laughs> or feather bottom. Feather bottom. It's a PG thirteen podcast. When she's when uh when he's like singing about how he's when I you know not being scared. I can't remember what he's saying, right? Because he see he like sees Job like knock somebody out. <laughs> when he oh, starts so trying to make it fun. like he's tired of being Mrs. Featherbottom yes. and he's trying to make it clear he's Tobias. <laughs> right. Right. But and they're like everybody the obviously <laughs> was never tricked at all, yes. right? So okay. Just love, so here's the I thing. Like Buster. I, I love Buster. Yes, Buster's great. I love Arrested Development too. It's a great show. Mother boy. So yes. <laughs> um so the Marx brothers, I mean it's it's different Hubert in a sense, but 
what's similar to the Marx Brothers and Arrested Development, why I bring it up is, you know how Arrested Development crams so many jokes into an episode? Yeah. Like every second there's a joke. Yeah. There's like, yeah. and there's jokes layered on jokes and there's so many jokes in a row. Marx Brothers are like that. Perfect. So it's different than the Stooges. I mean, I love the three Stooges, but the way the Marx Brothers do it is just frenetic pacing of jokes. Just they're blasting them at boom, you. Boom, boom. Yeah. I love it. I'll be into that. Yeah. And and they're pretty they're pretty solid. They're a funny team. Um music. Yeah. So there was something now I'm forgetting what it was. There was something you said that what were we talking about at the time? Music. Oh, Jim Gaff <laughs> no, Jim Gaffigan. Yes. You're yes. talking about how Jim Gaffigan is repetitive. Yes. And at a certain point you've yeah, you kind of seen it. Mm -hmm. So which is true. I think there's two sides to that. So um I'm a big fan of ACDC, the band. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not my favorite band, perhaps, of all time, but I, I like them a lot. But really, all of their songs and albums are the same one song, repeated infinitely. Mm -hmm. right? If you've heard one, you've heard it all. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of like, and yet, why do I own like basically all their studio albums? Even they start making them in like their 90s. Yeah. They're, pretty <laughs> they're like pretty old. I mean, their last few are, of course, that are weaker well, than, than their classics. But yeah, it's kind of like, you can even say the same for, um, okay, not Metallica's music and albums because they have gone through many changes, but the way Lars Ulrich, like you're all, you're drummers, right? Mm -hmm. The way mm -hmm. Lars plays the drums, the same. he has a way of playing and he's not the greatest drummer out there, but he has a very... You can instantly recognize that it's him playing the drums, right? He has yep. a style, and he doesn't need mm -hmm. to change it. And I think there's something to that. So Jim Gaffigan, he has a style, right? And it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe some of the jokes were repetitive, but I think sometimes it's like, well, you, you know, it's, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah. And you like that, so you go back to it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's why people go back to, well, it's like role playing, you know. You can kind of simplify all Call of Cthulhu scenarios to you're you're trying to find out what's going on and you find out it's a giant alien being that's whose cult is trying to right. ruin the earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean that's obviously oversimplifying it and there's plenty of you know differences there, but you know what you're getting into, right? And that's what you want to do. You want to have fun with that thing. You know? Um, but yeah, obviously you gotta find variations, you gotta find nuances or, mm -hmm. or new new innovations or else it's boring yeah i i like I, I i think i get what you're saying so basically it's just a guarantee like when you listen to acdc you know you're gonna like what you're hearing because right. this is acdc i'm guaranteed exactly. to hear that same thing right. and i've seen a lot of bands do that with yeah. their music over time they try to change with the times and after if you're a hardcore fan of that band yeah you kind of get disappointed right you're like, man i miss that old album style mm -hmm. well yeah i mean and, and of course both can both ways can be okay mm -hmm. because bands can evolve if they're evolving because they're actually evolving mm -hmm. they can still be good so like it just depends right like i there are bands that i like that change over time and i like all the iterations of the band acdc happened to not change and that's fine too right yeah, it just depends fine. like yeah i, mean, it, I get it, why they evolve like they have to get with the times because they need right. to sell albums i get that yeah and that's fine I don't, or just no because musically you're changing like i don't think so, for example, um, Tool. Tool. Tool has a definite sound. Yeah. But you, li you listen to their first EP, uh, Opiate, and you listen to their newest album, came out a few years ago. Very, very different sound. Mm -hmm. Right? They've definitely evolved over the, the last 30 years. Um, but they didn't do so because of the 
change in music around like them. Mutual, like culture in the music. Right, yeah. right. Because they are too, they're too idiosyncratic. Like Tool is Tool, and they're going to yeah. be Tool. And so, but they evolved, right? And that's, yeah. I think that's good. You know, if ACDC were the only band out there, I'd be bored because that they do only have one yeah. song. But it's such a great song. Yeah. It's like, you know, I was quip, I told my, my friend uh, in the bass player in the last band I was in, he was a huge fan of Kiss. And I've never been a fan of Kiss for some reason. I like some of their yeah. music, but, All right. and it's like, I, I told him, I was like, well, ACDC play, I, I told him, well, Kiss, all the music sounds the same. Every song is the same song. And he's like, well, you like ACDC, and they're the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but I like ACDC one song. <laughs> I don't like Kiss's one song. Right? So, you know, whether it stays the same or evolves, both have merit, and I guess yeah. it just depends. Well, mm -hmm. and like you're saying, it really depends on the quality. Um, and change for the sake of change is usually not successful. Right, yes. Um, if your band, like for, for example, like when I started playing music, I was 17. Like my perspective at 17 is way different than my perspective at 36. It, right. it should be. Right. And so I'll, theoretically, I'm going to produce a different sound or right. a different type of song from exactly. 17 to 36. And it's not and it's not necessarily because music is different now, right? It's, right. it's for a lot of reasons. You're mm -hmm. different. Well, it's like that old well, there's also the old saying, you know, they give you your whole life to do your first album. And then one year, yeah, your second album, yeah, right, because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> it's like <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that before, but yeah. All right, well, um, we've been going for about two hours, which didn't seem like that long. I've been having yeah, a lot of fun. Me too. Um, but we can wrap it up. Uh, Arthur, thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. We've loved having you, and we definitely <laughs> like to do it again soon. Um, particularly love. I mean, we love the conversation on gaming. Uh, that's what we are. We're a gaming podcast. Uh, I think there's tons to, to discuss there, especially getting into um, – I'm the type of person who really likes to learn about stuff. And so getting into the specifics of games that you like and games that you enjoy and even just the creation of games is, is pretty fascinating. But just even Nerd. just talking about – I know, <laughs> guilty. But anyway, even uh, just talking about the different – I mean, we've gone into a, a few different directions, music, and but like movies and horror movies that you'd recommend, and even horror books. Um, yeah. There's definitely a lot more content there. If you, uh, you know, if we could do this again soon, that would it's be all awesome. Good stuff to talk about. Yeah, sure. it's insane how much you and your dad like just have movies, like a thousand movies at the top of your head. You're like, oh, we gotta, you gotta have this. You gotta yeah. see this and books. Yeah, I, it's well, like I said, you know, if it's it's impressive. I, it is what it is. We like all these things, you know. I, I like shows. I like music, um, so I listen to a lot of music. I like books, so I read a lot of books. I like movies. Well, that's so the great thing about movies. you guys because it, it shows in your gaming and the stuff that you guys create. They Like if you meet these people in person, if you meet Sandy and Arthur, they love this stuff. Yes. And it shows. Mm-hmm. So I can I can testify personally. Like the games you're going to get are made by pure passion. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, like, I remember when I was little, a person in our church was talking to my mom, and I overheard, I was like a kid, overheard saying, your, your husband's a walking encyclopedia, right? That was a, a saying back then, you know, because he's very knowledgeable and smart and read a lot. And so I remember at home, <clears throat> my mom saying that back to him, like, oh, so-and-so said you're a walking encyclopedia. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm like... A few chunks 
of the encyclopedia that walk. Right? It's like <laughs> there's certain areas I know, yeah. certain areas I don't know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like he reads a lot of history and a lot of other things like that too. Also a topic. Yes. I love history. Same. Ancient history. History is one of my favorite subjects as well. Yeah. So. Uh, anytime you want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, history is great <laughs> we stuff. Do it. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Arthur, Thank for you, Arthur. Uh, being here with us tonight. And we will uh, see you all soon. As a point of clarification at about the 24-minute mark, Arthur mentioned World in Flames from GMT Games. He meant to say Europe engulfed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arkham Files interview series. Thanks again to Arthur Peterson for joining us and giving us so much of his time. That was a ton of fun. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks again for being such awesome listeners. If you haven't yet, please go online and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the Arkham Files. We got a lot of cool bonus stuff up there. Please check out our website, particularly our merch store, www.arkhamrpg.com forward slash shop. We have a lot of cool stuff there, and we add new stuff every so often, so be sure to check that regularly and buy our stuff. Uh, Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.